In a year that has brought about unprecedented hardship and calamity, many individuals were hopeful to find a new normal with pandemic restrictions beginning to ease. Those in the western states, however, were not able to rest long as a new threat emerged almost out of thin air. Wildfires. As over 100 wildfires burn across the western states, in Oregon alone, over half a million people have been evacuated, and many have lost not only their homes, but their communities. In this hardship, however, there have been some heroes. Firefighters from out of the state, and some as far as Mexico, have come to help battle the fires, as people in every community are reaching out to help in every way possible. Holly Goldberg Sloan said, Just being there is 99% of what matters when your world falls apart. These heroes, whether they're on the front lines putting out the fires, offering shelter to those displaced, or helping to recover animals and pets, are doing that 99%. Hats off to all who are and who will help our communities recover during this very tragic time as it is this kind of good that we need in our communities, our nation, and our world. This is why we are here. It's the Perpetual Good Podcast with your host, Kenneth Hopkins. Join us as we discover the good things that are happening all around us, and what we can do to bring even more good to our communities. Life is like a box of assorted chocolates. What swells in my head? Donuts from boxes. Both go with the concept. Never know what you'll get unless you are open for the question. Welcome to the Perpetual Good Podcast. This is Kenneth Hopkins. This week we have a very packed show for you. We have three very powerful stories of good that you're definitely going to want to listen to. They're very inspiring. And then we're going to go right into the first part of my interview, my conversation with my friend Nate Frazier. Nate is the founder of Swell PDX as well as Coba.fm. And we're going to talk a little bit about the things that he is doing around the community and how he is bringing good to those that he encounters. And before we get started, for those of you who reached out to us to find out how we were doing with the fires, thank you so much. It means so much to us that you are reaching out, whether you are calling, sending emails, checking in through social media. We are actually doing fine, and I'm happy to announce that at this point, the fires are starting to get a little bit under control, and we've had a little bit of break in the weather. But again, thank you so much for reaching out to us. At this point, let's go ahead and get started with the stories of good. Our first story comes from a tweet that I saw on Labor Day. It comes from a person by the name of Robert Paler, who was a rugby player at Cal. In the tweet, he writes, I stood up out of my wheelchair on my own for the first time today. Now, here's the key. Three years ago, he was in one of the championship matches, and he actually suffered an injury. Uh, he broke his neck, and it left him as a quadriplegic. And so he has been working for the last three years to regain the use of his limbs. So he said, 
I stood up out of my wheelchair on my own for the first time today. It took me 1,220 days to achieve this goal, and it was worth every second. No better way to celebrate Labor Day. So Robert, we celebrate with you on this achievement. This is very good. Second story, this was actually reported by Black Culture News. It's a very interesting story, and it involves a four-year-old who became a superhero. This four-year-old, her name is Abby, and she was being babysat. Turns out that the babysitter was not a very good person. The babysitter and, I guess, her boyfriend were robbing the house. Abby actually details all of the things that the babysitter stole. And the babysitter cooked up this story about two armed black men who came in and robbed the place and tried to identify the person who lived next door as somebody who looked like that person. So the police came and they took the statement from the babysitter, went next door, handcuffed the man who lived there, and questioned him for about five hours. Well, here comes Abby in her four-year-old self, and she said, no, this story is wrong. She said the color of the, of the people is wrong. Uh, they actually had white skin. And so as she told the story from her perspective, long story short, the babysitter ended up confessing. Abby was able to get all of her stuff back. And in her words, she became a superhero that day. And so, Abby, you get, the, uh, you get the Good Citizenship Award for the day for stepping up and doing what is right, standing up to those who were actually doing wrong. So, Abby, we thank you for that. The third story, this is something that will put a smile on your face because it puts a smile on everybody's face who is working at this, uh, at this hospital. Robert Johnson, he was a former Marine, and he is now working at a security guard at Kaiser Permanente Downey Medical Center. He started working the night shift and seeing all of the people who have been working 10, 12, even longer hour shifts. And as they were getting off of their shift, he decided they needed to be celebrated. So he started not just asking them about their day, but he started trying to spread joy to each person. So every time they get off of their shift, he becomes their cheerleader. The good part about this story, it's not just him cheering them on, but after a while, each of the nurses and the, and the people who were working there started to realize that their spirits were being lifted. When they started talking to each other, instead of feeling like they were down and depressed after having to deal with COVID cases and, and long hours day after day, when they started interfacing with Robert, they realized that they were actually feeling better. So instead of feeling depressed about going to work or depressed about the long hours, they started feeling up and feeling positive about that. And so Robert felt just in the same way he, he pulled from his, his Marine training, and he said everybody needs to be uplifted. And so he does everything he can in order to do that. So hats off to you, Robert, for cheering up the people, because basically everybody can use a little, or in this case, a lot of good. Nate Frazier has been a key member of the business community here in Portland 
But even more than that, he is a catalyst for bringing good to all of the people around him. So let's get into the conversation that I had with Nate Frazier. Well, welcome, Nate, to the Perpetual Good Podcast. We've been looking forward to this for a long time. We've been talking about this for a while. Dude, we are trying to do it this weekend and <laughs> act together for crying out loud. I drove to push pull and then I drove to my office today and I had a, not a little cloth mask, I had an N95 mask on and dude, it was weird driving around and smoke and you could tell the difference. So I took off the mask, I went to the office and then took it off. When I got back home, you could, you could totally tell a difference. It's wild. My and kids haven't been outside in days. Everyone's getting a little stir crazy. How are you? Are your are the fires even close to you? No, 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 no. I'm I'm in the Wilkes area, so yeah. So we're we're far away from it. The only thing that we're dealing with is smoke. And so for those of you who who don't know what's going on, the entire West Coast is pretty much on fire. Uh, West Coast of the United States is pretty much on fire, and Oregon is taking a big brunt of it. Salem to Portland and Southern Oregon and. Oh. It's just, it's just making me really sad. Just yeah, half a million people, 10% of the state's population is displaced. Yeah. And the, I mean, the only good thing that's, that's coming out of this, and we'll, I mean, we'll see a lot of this yeah. as time goes on, but the only good thing that's coming out of it really is seeing people stepping up just all over the place. People are offering their homes and their ranches and their stables and, and food, water, money, whatever it is. People are rebuilding communities. I, I heard a story about a, a family, a, a couple who had lost everything. Their, their home was burned down and somebody had set up a GoFundMe for them. It was, it was very nice. They received, they received a lot of money, but what they decided to do, instead of just taking that money and rebuilding for themselves, they contacted somebody who worked with one of the local hospitals to set up a much larger foundation for the entire community that would use existing funds to be able to do that. And this family took the money that was in their GoFundMe and put it into that fund. About. That's what I'm talking about. This, this, this is, it's, it's all about community. And that's, that's what this episode is all about. It is, it is really all about what community is doing for community. It's, it's what the, the entire podcast is about, but specifically, um, I love. it's, it's about what people are doing for community. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on. That's, that's why I'm excited about this. I, I, I have to tell the story and I don't even think that we've talked about this, but <laughs> Uh-oh. So, so I've been in, I've been in Portland for uh, just for a few years and part of me getting acclimated, I just started trying to find what was happening and where people were happening. And so I got on Twitter and I started looking up people, places, things in Portland, PDX, whatever I could find just so that I it could, because I was virtually up here alone. I'm up here with my girlfriend, Holly, her girls uh, up here, but as far as anybody else, it was just me. So trying to get connected and I start just seeing things on Twitter. And then I see this, I see this image of this guy just jumping up and down and it's not Nate, but I see just 
over and over again. How can I help? And just this guy just jumping up and down. And so I'm like, okay, so that's one thing. And then what I started seeing is somebody posting something about Black-owned restaurant. And the first person I see saying something is this guy named Nate. And I see something else. And I see somebody, you know, somebody I'm else a, posting something. I'm annoying. I see this guy named least. Nate. And I'm like, okay, first of all, is this guy real? That, that was my thought. Is he real? That's what I want to know. Really and, annoying. <laughs> really and, annoying to some. I'm sure. So I started looking just to see, and I, I'm like, okay, this guy really is real. And, and so I started following him and started just trying to connect a little bit more. And then he was having a, a get together for somebody who was coming into town. And he basically said, whoever wants to come can come. We're making That's breakfast. A, we're having donuts. That, and, that whole meeting right there is a story in and of itself. <laughs> Seriously. That, I mean, some of the some of the folks that were in my home that day, I'd never met before in, in person. Yeah. yeah. And like, like, like you used to be Josh Carter's boss. Yeah. I found that out. And I was just like, that's the to me, that's the excitement of things like that. And yeah. it cost me I don't know, 30 bucks and coffee and donuts <laughs> and me opening up my home, which well, I'm sure we'll get to talking about how much that sucks and is just filling my soul with COVID nonsense. But, you know, like my, my little, my four-year-old daughter just stepped in. You want to you say hi? And then will you go upstairs? Okay, say hi. Hi, French. So while he's, while he's dealing with French, I, I had the chance to meet Nate, meet his family. And sorry, the, the no, 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 that's, that's absolutely were, fine. That's why I brought a bowl of snacks down here, apparently. <laughs> the, the interesting thing about that meeting, like I said, I didn't know really anybody up here. And I got there and I'm chatting with people. And then all of a sudden somebody walks in and this guy and I looked at each other and we both said, I know you from somewhere <laughs> and we couldn't figure it out. It was driving us nuts the entire time. We had been there for hours chatting back and forth, trying to figure it out. And it both hit us at the same time, about 10 o'clock that night, we realized that we had worked together like 15 years prior, <laughs> hadn't seen each other until that time. And again, that just, that shows you the power the of the shoot. possibility it of this community. Yeah, the of, crap of shoot, community. The excitement. The, you don't know what's going to happen, man. You don't know Absolutely. what's going to happen. You just got to show up. <laughs> you have no idea. You're going to see a dude that you didn't you worked with 15 years ago. It's amazing to me. So let's let's talk about showing up because let me just back up a minute. So Nate Frazier. I'm going to dive um, down for a little bit. <laughs> Nate Frazier is founder of Swell PDX. He may talk about that. He's founder of Koba FM. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. And all around community guy. Everybody knows him as, as community guy. And you can, for those of you who won't be able to see this, but in the back, uh, his, uh, his, his tagline is community, baby. It's all about community. You should so, see all the other backgrounds I got. And then I was just <laughs> like, oh, wait, I think I have one. I, I just made this in like two seconds in Photoshop. Give us give us a little background on on who you are, but first, uh, just what's what's good with you? What's going what's on? Good. Yeah. Uh, my parents just moved here. It's it, that's that's uh, 
crazy. It's it's amazingly good. It, I think it's still it's still kind of sinking in because we moved out here to Portland from Philadelphia when my middle child, who's six and a half, Evangeline, she was two months old. But it was just like a, my mom had no interest in moving out here. I have a sister. She's got two kiddos, and my mom's lived close to them for a long, long time. And my mom was just like, hey, I think we're supposed to move to Portland and be close to you guys. And it, dude, it, it happened like that. It was the, it was the wildest thing. And, it, you know, during a pandemic, my, my dad was unemployed. My stepdad was unemployed for 10 months. You know, banana stuff. And they ended up being able to move out here, selling their house, like all these things, like, and they're living with us. And you would think in a pandemic with three small children and, you know, whatever robot transformer school we're doing with all this online stuff, you know, it's cool having some people around to like help out and oh, yeah. they're, they're starting to settle in. That's what's good. Nice. My mom lives here, man. My mom's like, she's, she's other than my wife and, you know, friends like my mom's my mom's my homie my mom is nice. she's the big reason for a lot of the questions that are that you you sent over she's the catalyst of why i am loud and and seriously like why i'm not she's not loud she's not a loud lady she's very she is excitable she's she she loves life but she mm -hmm. uses her voice in ways that elevate others yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, she'll be, that's why it's good. Cause she's mixed in all this. Stuff. <laughs> you know, there's an episode that's going to be coming up at some point that's going to deal with kind of exactly what you were talking about. A few years back, I had brought my mom out. This is when I was in California. I brought my mom out. She was living in Arizona and my daughter Imani had just recently gotten into her own place and, and so she's like, I want to have everybody over. Let's, and it was a really just a small place, but it was just, it was her first place. And so Imani and a few of her friends had uh, come over. So it was them, me and my mom. My mom sat down and she just started, just started talking. She's not loud. She's not, when you meet her, you think, oh, she's just, she's just a nice woman. And then you start hearing all the stories. All of the things that she did, all the, the trailblazing things that she mm -hmm. did. And she just, she had, she had them all captivated. Well, she, she has me captivated on a regular basis. And it's, it's that type of passing down, not just knowledge, but passing down the zest for life into mm -hmm. new generations that is really important and it's good. And it energizes both sides. It energizes both the people who are receiving, but it mm -hmm. also energizes the ones who are passing it down. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so that's going to be coming. We, we may want to stoked on that. Yeah. We may want to bring you and your mom back on to you know, kind of talk about some of this stuff. My mom, um, my mom. We had talked earlier about you moving here. And one of the things that I see from you and hear from you all the time is Montevilla hustling. <laughs> yeah. Represent. Talk to me about what you love about this community. Why you moved there in the first place? I mean, you you could have been you could have been in Hillsboro and Beaverton. You could have been in in Lake Oswego. You could have been pretty much anywhere could, you wanted to be. I could not be in Lake Oswego, <laughs> nor 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 would I want to be. 
<laughs> nor would I want to be. When we met in Philadelphia, Philadelphia is a very neighborhood-based city, very community-based. But when we got married, we, uh, hey, I've never been married before. I've, I don't know all the things that you're supposed to do and people you have over and all these things. But my wife and I both grew up in very hospitable families. I grew up in West Texas mostly, grew up in church, you know, my 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 Mima's house was where everybody went after church. Mm -hmm. My wife, same way, my wife's Italian, so she's used to lots of big meals and lots of people and lots of food and lots of like, talking and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, we we had some people over and stuff like that. We were just like, this is just like, this isn't going to be enough space, you know. <laughs> and we were super grateful for where we lived. It's great, you know. I'm, but um, we got married. We lived in the townhome, and we were just like, dude, we gotta like let's just sell this place. And so we, you know, we ended up selling our townhome. And so we moved to the borough of Audubon. And Audubon was this like kind of, kind of more blue collar, you know, but it was just like, a, it had like a cool little downtown. It had like a coffee shop that was locally owned by this dude and his wife. Shout out to Randy and the Treehouse, Treehouse Cafe in Audubon. Randy and Tina and you know there's a sandwich shop there and all this stuff so there's all this like really cool stuff you know we ended up finding dude the house we had in New Jersey and it's funny but like, the thing that was neat is it was huge and you know like we I, I, I did my wife's 30th birthday mm -hmm. and we had like a hundred people in this house nice and it's again it's nothing fancy it's this old house you know but there's room and there's like mm -hmm for people there's a big yard there's like place for people and so what was neat was my wife and i were starting to get this uh taste of community like as a family okay. so we were starting to get like a taste of like you know we were going to a church at the time and we were we we're you know just had luca you know i'm starting a small business and start to see i was seeing what it was to like mix and mingle with small business owners like two blocks down the street from me and you know, go in there and buy a coffee and like, what do you do? Oh, I'm a dad. No, I, well, I have a small business and like, I, and you know, have to like learn how to pitch these people yeah. on my own business. And you know, so I started seeing what it was to like get to know these, these businesses in the community and these people and, and having a kid, which is such a wonderful thing for, in, in my experience, in Michelle's experience, like our, our kiddos are a big reason why uh, we've been able to have a lot of like relationships and reach because yep. like our kids just open up doors. Like kids, parents like don't understand sometimes like, like kids open up every door in, in, in the world to oh, yeah. meeting new people. And it's mm -hmm. something that we've just embraced like crazy from like the minute Luca was born you you have so much control of like how your family engages yeah how you show up how you help how you listen how you get to know people we ask specifically we were like lord we just want to fill our house with people like we don't care who it is we weren't trying to be like lord will you fill the house with plenty of people to like be christian <laughs> or you know and it got us in some trouble you know because we didn't we didn't we didn't ask to use our home to to do a church sanctioned Bible study. We just said, hey, everybody come over and like, and we just saw community show up for us, you know, like our neighbors across the street, uh, Jamie and Kelly Brown and their three kiddos, you know, like we're, we're new parents, like they're older parents. Like, you know, for, again, for us being, uh, being people of faith, 
it was a really interesting thing as far as community goes to see the different ways our secular community helped and supported and reached out and the way our church community helped and supported and reached out. Yeah. Um, because like, you know, the things that were most impactful to me for community were my neighbor, Jamie, he had kids that were in like the local schools and like yep. he had lived there for, you know, a long time and he knew people in the neighborhood and he showed me like, in, in again, not coming from it as from a place of faith, but just a place of like being a neighbor. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think for me, that was really impactful because I go into being a dad and a husband and, and I, I'm just watching this guy just be like, yo man, like he, he worked for Siemens telecommunications yeah. and he, he would go to work, he came home and he would just like put around the house in the neighborhood. And he's like, you know, forties mm-hmm. and was really involved with his kids, really involved in the neighborhood, knew everybody at the sandwich shop, knew everybody down the street. And mm-hmm. so I was seeing this example of a dude that, you know, just like walked across the street to my house anytime I was in the yard and said, Nate, what's up, dude? Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> brought me a Coors Light or brought a jar of moonshine that he got from his brother-in-law in Virginia the last time they were there on vacation, you know? And so we, we just started to like open our home up, you know, slowly but surely people that were coming into our home, we, we started to do like a little hangout thing every yeah. Friday night. We had people, I had a dude show up at my door, bro. And, and he showed up at my door and he's like, hey, so uh, are you guys the Frasers? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, we are. I was like, what's up, man? He's like, so my friend Kelly told me you guys like do a thing here, or, like a Bible study or something. I was like, yeah, man, we just saying, I was like, you want to come in? And he came in and this dude, bro, this dude showed up. I didn't even know who he was. He grew up around the corner from our house. He lived in Trenton. 45 minutes away wow. and he would drive every Friday, 90 minutes to come to our house. People would show up at my house. It like, it, it revolutionized the way that I looked at community. Like <laughs> I just love seeing people come in my home, man. We would sit and do a fire pit in my backyard. Like we, like, we would just hang out. We would drink coffee. We would chat about stuff. And, and you know, and we had some other people that would just show up and they were people that, you know, like would, would share with us over the years. Like they're still dear friends of ours. And so we started getting this taste of this weird community that like I had seen modeled when I was a kid. It was almost like being reminded. Uh, as, again, all things come back. Being kind of reminded of the, the ways I was brought up. But my, you know, my wife, my wife said, hey, we're supposed to move. And so we did. And so it's been like a, a couple of years of just, I feel like taking that experience living in this small town, mm-hmm. the longest freaking way around to your question about why we chose to live in Montevilla <laughs> in Montevilla hustling. Uh, because we, we wanted to, we wanted to live in a place that wasn't fancy and wasn't bougie and that my kids could go to and stuff. But mm-hmm. we, we, we knew that we wanted to live in a place that, um, not everyone looked like us at the time. My wife was, uh, partners and she's, she still, uh, owns the, the company, but has a small, uh, children's clothing company. Mm-hmm. and uh her business partner was living in china and mm-hmm. so you know we uh had luca we were like hey why not have our kid learn a language and we started looking where are language schools and how does this school stuff work and you know we started looking around and uh we got pregnant with the baby and so we were like we got to look around even more because we're not gonna have five people in this apartment 
and we started asking around and mm -hmm. somebody said, have you looked at Montevilla? Yeah. And I was just like, you know, still like kind of gritty old Portland. And I was like, okay. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we, we moved here and, you know, one of the things, and this is the thing I think that sealed it for, for us and for Montevilla is, you know, we were walking around, it was right before school starts and we were walking around the neighborhood. My allergies were just punching me in the face because everyone was mowing their lawn that night <laughs> and it was just punching me in the face. Mm -hmm. And so we were walking by the school and there were a ton of people at the school and we're just like, what's going on? Like, why are there all these people here? And so I take the kids around to the back the playground so they can play and I can continue to get punched in the face by pollen. And my wife comes out like 20 minutes later. She came out, bro, with these two plates of food, like just mountain plates due to food. And she goes, you will not believe what I just walked into. And she goes, Luca is going to school here. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay. So we sit down, man. And it was, it was a multicultural night that the school does every year, mm -hmm. you know, and it just led into like this beautiful conversation with my wife about, you know, you know, she goes, Nate, she goes, you wouldn't believe what I just experienced. She's like, you need to go in there. And I went in the cafeteria and dude, no one looked like me. Like, and I, and I mean that in the most Portland way I'm, I can, and, no one was a bearded white bro. And further qualify that. Was it, one race? Was it a bunch of races? Was Dude, it? Dude, my kid's school is the most diverse school in the city of Portland. There are 27 languages spoken in my kid's school. Wow. Like, dude, like, but, but these brilliant, lovely children uh, are <laughs> also, it's also the most underfunded school in the city of Portland. Okay. You know, so, so all, all of that to say, like, we had this conversation and, you know, my wife did medical missions trips uh, around the world mm -hmm. uh, before we met for a decade. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my, my wife and I, like, we, we just love to serve and like, we love people and kiddos and families and, yeah. you know, like we've, we've been able to, to get to know the families in our classrooms and we see people around the neighborhood and a lot of, there's a lot of people that like, you know. They're, they live a little bit further away, you know, which is great, but we will, we'll go and see them. But like, you know, we, we've been able to like, like we, we've had to learn how to kind of practice what we preach, you know? And when my kids were going to, you know, in-person school, um, you know, when they were going to in, in-person school, you know, like we, we, we would pitch in often because, you know, our school didn't have a lot, mm -hmm. you know, I was pissed about COVID because, we were helping work with one of the, the counselors at the school to mm -hmm. do a job fair, man. And, and I go, how can we help? Like, what do you need? Like, and the, the counselor, she's, she's a, she's a white lady. She's, she's super cool. And she was just like, I just like, I just want people that like look like the kids. Like mm -hmm. I want the kids to see people in the city that are successful and that are doing things and that are like, look like them. Like, so I, I, in, in, in COVID, COVID, we didn't get to have a job fair. So uh, I want to stop you right. I, that's why I love Montevilla. And it okay. didn't answer the hustling. But. So the actual job fair didn't happen. But no. let's, let's talk about just kind of the overall community because the counselor said there, there are two things that are important. One is that there are people that will show up regardless of what they look like. 
if sure. somebody's willing to show up, that's important. There's also the other aspect that kids do need somebody who looks like them, who right. can identify like them. Correct. So you need both aspects of that. Mm -hmm. So when you put out the signal, what was the response from business owners, from entrepreneurs, from, from, from people in your network to that request? Well, our, 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 our favorite coffee shop owner, Ian, Ian Williams of Deadstock mm -hmm. Coffee, uh, he, goes, he goes, dude, sign me up. That's dope. Yeah. What do we got to do for the kids, man? You know, my friend Erica Escalante that owns mm -hmm. Aero Cafe that's going to be La Lorena. Yep. new, new rebrand, you know, one of the hardest working mamas in the city. Um, you know, she was like, she's like, absolutely. She's like, Ian and I could do like latte art or, you know, like make hot chocolates for the kids or, yep. you know, she goes anything, anything to, you know, bring them a smile and like, you know, share, share what we're doing with these kids. Well, this has been just part one of my conversation with Nate Frazier. And the one thing that I love is that as I was trying to find out the things that he was doing, he was highlighting the things that his friends and the people that he hangs out with that they were doing to bring good to the community. And that's what this is all about. You're going to want to come back next week to catch part two, the rest of the interview and the rest of the conversation. If this conversation has been good, if you've enjoyed this, Please share it with someone. Please let them know about the podcast and definitely subscribe so you can get notified of additional episodes that will be coming out. And finally, I'd love to hear from you. Please go to my website, KennethDHopkins.net, and go to the show notes for this episode or for any of the other episodes and leave comments, leave feedback. Tell me how this has been beneficial to you. I'd love to be able to use that within the upcoming shows. So again, thank you for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time on the Perpetual Good Podcast. You have been listening to the Perpetual Good Podcast with your host, Kenneth Hopkins. Special thanks to Bled John for the theme music. Tune in next time for more stories of the good happening in our community. Have a great day, and remember, don't let evil overwhelm you, but overcome evil with good.